from the Financial Times. This is FT News and I'm Jyotsna Singh in Delhi. Last week, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government presented its last full year budget before general elections due next year. The proposals contained lofty schemes to placate the poor, farmers and small business people. But all that would come at an economic cost. To discuss the key announcements amid a slowing economy and the challenges it poses before the government, I'm joined by the FT's South Asia Bureau Chief Amy Kasman and correspondent Kiran Stacey. Amy, what's your take on the budget? It was very clear that this budget was always going to be something of a balancing act for the Modi government. On one hand, they're facing elections in the next year. The last two years have seen a lot of economic disruption with demonetization. India has had two years of slowing growth at a time when the rest of the world economy has actually been doing quite well and enjoying a synchronized recovery. So there's a certain amount of discontent within the population. And it was very clear that Modi was going to announce things that would try to boost public spirits and attend to some of the dissatisfaction growing among the masses. At the same time, the government's financial options were relatively constrained. They have been following this fiscal consolidation roadmap for a few years, where they've been trying to gradually reduce the size of the government's fiscal deficit as part of a plan of controlling inflation. And they don't have that much financial room to maneuver. Oil prices, which are always a real issue for the Indian economy because India is so heavily dependent on oil imports, Oil prices are rising, and in the last three years, India had enjoyed this really benign circumstances with really low oil prices. That's now reversing. So there was always going to be this balancing act between the need to maintain fiscal discipline and keep showing investors that they were determined to be disciplined and not just kind of blow the bank in terms of their spending, and at the same time show that they're doing things to address the needs and urgent needs, really, social needs of a vast majority of the population. And they've obviously presented a budget that tries to do that. Perhaps the devil lies in the detail. What do you think of some of the big announcements, such as the ambitious National Health Insurance Scheme, or guaranteeing better returns to the farmers? On the health scheme, there is no doubt that India is actually facing a very severe health crisis. Health emergencies are one of the biggest causes and factors that push working class families back into poverty. India has for decades underspent on its public health system, which is really in a dire straits. I've spent lots of times in public hospitals, and they're really in appalling condition with acute shortage of doctors, nurses, beds. There are people lying on the floors. In order to avoid these kind of public hospitals, which are just crippled by years of underspending, people dig deep into their pockets to try to go to private hospitals. And if they don't have the money, they will borrow and go deep into debt. So this is a huge issue. Something has to be done about it. So they've announced plans for a huge health insurance scheme, signaling that there's going to be an abandonment of the public sector hospitals and no further efforts to really bring these up to a higher level. And instead, India is going to pursue a U.S. model where everyone will have health insurance and then they can grow to 
private hospitals. There's a lot of questions whether that's really a suitable model for India, particularly because hospital regulation is so weak. In many remote rural areas or small towns, frankly, the private hospitals are hardly any better than the public hospitals. But this seems to be the path that India wants to go down. The one thing that many commentators have pointed out is that they've announced this huge scheme, which is supposed to give 100 million families coverage of up to 500,000 rupees a year in case of hospitalization. Now, normally that would add up to something like over $700 billion in potential liabilities, but actually They've said nothing about where the money is coming from for this scheme, how it's going to work. It is the vaguest of policy announcements. And I think one has to really ask, is this really going to happen? Or is this something that they've made a grand declaration and they're going to repeat it a thousand times between now and the next election day? But in reality, not much will change on the ground. Likewise, with the minimum support prices, I think there's a lot of questions about where the money is going to come from and how this is going to work. These are obviously potentially popular poll promises. Whether they remain to be implemented remains to be seen. Kiran, in this pre-election year, Mr. Modi seems to have focused on the domestic constituency. But what about market expectations, particularly foreign investors? Well, I think foreign investors, as far as stocks have gone, have actually pulled money out of India over the last year. The last year started on a very positive note. Lots of investors were optimistic about Indian companies' chances of increasing their earnings, with a growing economy and a growing population, things seem to be headed in the right direction. I think towards the middle of the year, as GDP started to slip, a lot of those foreign investors started to pull money out. But they were replaced by domestic investors who started putting money into equities where once they may have had it in property or jewellery. That has provided another boost for the stock market. And over the last year, Sensex index has risen nearly 30%. It's an absolutely incredible rise. What we thought might happen during the budget, we knew that something was going to happen on long-term capital gains. And sure enough, the government announced that there would be a 10% tax rate for any gains made on stocks held for over a year beyond a certain amount. That actually didn't seem to take the heat off the rally on the day itself. The Sensex stayed pretty much where it was at the beginning of the day. However, the day after it then dropped by over 2%. So whether that is investors starting to realize what this all means, or whether it's just part of a broader fall across Asian stocks, wasn't immediately clear. But I wouldn't be surprised if at some point you start to see some of the heat being taken out of the rally in Indian stocks, because they are very expensive right now. Lots of apparently populist moves, but is business happy? I spent budget day talking to various executives from several different industries after the announcements. Almost everyone said they were delighted, and whether that is just people saying the right thing to stay on the right side of the government, you're never quite sure. But people seemed happy about the budget for two different reasons, I would say. The first is they thought that some of these measures to boost the rural economy in particular would help consumption. And consumption is the main driver of Indian GDP growth right now. So companies said, if that's what needs to happen, that's what needs to happen. That money should eventually filter through to us. Secondly, the point was made, and I think it probably is a fair point, that while there were some populist measures in this, it could have been much 
bigger, much more populist. So, for example, we've seen the forecast for the fiscal deficit slip, and that has given the government a little bit of extra money to spend. As one executive said to me, that's nothing compared to the fiscal deficits we used to run in this country. While there has been a bit of slippage, actually, this wasn't the big bang election-winning package that the government could have gone for, which might then have knocked some of that business confidence. Amy, populism at the cost of fiscal discipline. How is it likely to affect the economy in the long term? As Kieran said, it is important to realize that, you know, while there has been some fiscal slippage, it is limited. Though I've also talked to economists who express concern that India didn't make its target this year. So now it's set a target for next year that is also possibly likely to be breached, especially if circumstances in the global economy turn more unfavorable. The target is 3.3% of fiscal deficit for the coming year. The government could end up overshooting that. Still, it's not as high as the kind of deficits that India ran in the past. But the risk is that if they overshoot this deficit, and if they continue to overshoot this deficit, and government debt continues to rise, this has inflationary impact. It jitters up the bond market investors who have already been pushing up yields on 10-year bonds, which have risen very sharply in the last few months since November from 6.5% to 7.6% after the budget was announced. And what this means is that capital becomes more expensive and that companies which are seeking to tap into the bond market to raise capital for investment and expansion, their cost of capital is going to rise. So this could in fact, discourage new investment. And what's really critical for India is that throughout the time of the Modi government, there has been no growth in private investment. It's the one thing that just doesn't seem to ever recover. Indian companies are just not investing and expanding in India. And that's what India badly needs to create jobs and faster growth and anything that would tend to discourage that would be rather unfortunate. And Kiran, what do you think? Amy's right, and she's focused a couple of times on inflation. That's going to be something to really watch very carefully. Inflation has remained historically low for the course of the Modi government, but that has a lot to do with the fact that we've seen a huge oil price slump. Now we're starting to see oil prices recover, to the extent that actually the chief economic advisor in New Delhi said that he hadn't expected it to get to these levels. Well, if we start seeing fiscal deficits being breached and borrowing costs going up, plus a rising oil price, that could start doing some real damage. Thanks, Amy and Kiran. Thanks for listening. This is Jyotsna Singh saying goodbye for now. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.